Hey guys, it's Mark here. Um, not the Mark you've been listening to so far this series, the one that's kind of trapped in 2020, going through those first lockdowns. Um, this is current Mark. Today, Mark, I'm actually recording this the day of this episode's release. Uh, just to check in and say hi, really. A lot of people have messaged me since this series has started to kind of check that I'm okay uh, and stuff. And I am. I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Thanks so much um, for getting in touch. Um, before we start this episode, um, I'm not sure whether you've noticed how long the episode is. This is so far, at least, the longest episode of Mark Can't Rap that we've made. It took us a while to put it together, and I really hope you get a lot out of it. We're going to have a bit of a break for Christmas after this episode, so it's kind of a Christmas special, I guess. We still have five more episodes to bring out of this series, and we'll be releasing them in the spring uh, of the new year. If you've enjoyed this series so far, or you particularly enjoyed this episode and you want to help the podcast in some way, the most helpful thing you could do right now would be to talk about it, really, over the Christmas period. Tell your friends and family, tweet about it, blog about it, vlog about it too. If you you have a couple of spare minutes, what would help more than anything is a five-star review on iTunes. Five-star reviews have a huge impact on the algorithm and rankings of this series, and every five-star review we get really means a lot. The last thing um, I wanted to say is that the artist featured on this episode is an artist called Mice Diggy. Now, Mice Diggy is an experienced MC, someone who's been on the scene for a long time, and I first knew of him under a different name, Maestro. That's actually how I refer to him throughout this episode. Luna also calls him Maestro too, and I guess that is a name that just means quite a lot to us still. But right now, at the moment when this episode is going out, Mice Diggy is the name that you need to look for if you want to keep up with his current work. You'll find some cool older stuff under Maestro, and I would still search around for that name anyway, but to keep up with his current projects, Mice Diggy is where it's at. Thanks. Uh, m- hi, hi. my name's Mark Grist. I-, I used to be an English teacher. I'm approaching middle age, and I really want to learn how to rap. Last time on Mark Can't Rap. I literally remember having dreams when I was a kid of like standing up in assembly and rapping to everyone. <laughs> what could I write about that would shake things up and allow me to escape a bit? Yeah, like let people get to know you a little bit. There's always going to be the punchline guy. In, in my style of music anyway, and the shows that I do with the people who I play shows with, the type of crowds that I'm used to, you have to come out with a bang, man. Like you need a banger. So, I'm recording this episode in the run-up to Halloween 2020. It's been a while since my chat with Luna. Looking at my calendar, I can see that it's been 11 weeks. Wow. I don't know where the time has gone. Throughout this pandemic, the rules of time have changed somehow. Days. Whole weeks fly by so fast, 
whilst also feeling like months. Without deadlines, and as someone who has no kids, I don't really look at the time anymore. I measure my days now in daylight remaining or in dog walks, sometimes the number of cups of tea that I've made for my wife. Weeks are only weeks now because of Sunday roasts or weekly online meetups to play D&D. D&D uh, &D stands for Dungeons and Dragons, by the way. Yeah. I, I, know, I know this is a rap podcast, but it's also about getting through this pandemic. And aside from my family and rap, what's been getting me through right now is playing D&D. I'm a dungeon master for a group of old school friends. Together we craft the legends of mighty heroes as they battle monsters, save the world, occasionally cheat their way through pie-eating competitions. It's been the highlight of my week, seeing my friends triumph against evil in a world held together by dice, stats, and dubious accents. A world that, weirdly, feels more consistent than the one that we actually live in. Because, like most people, I guess, I also measure time here, in the real world, in changes. Moments of change. And 2020 has had some pretty huge moments of change so far. There's the moment that we came out of lockdown. The moment that we went from being asked to stay at home to stay alert. The moment when face masks became compulsory in shops. The moment when pubs were classed as safe to meet in whilst our homes weren't. Or when Leicester went into lockdown whilst Peterborough didn't. Or the moment that a scotch egg was reclassed as a meal or that two metres distance became one metre plus or even the moment that Barnard Castle became a legitimate alternative to Specsavers. Non-UK listeners might have to Google that one. Each of these moments has led to arguments across the entire country. Politicians, celebrities, all sorts of people online and face-to-face -face are arguing. Nobody, it seems, can agree on the rules, on what we should be doing. Lucy and I were walking the dogs uh, a couple of weeks ago and we saw some guys banging bongos in the park. They were huddled together, hammering away loudly, singing, social distancing is a lie. The coronavirus is a lie. We laughed at the time watching them. We, we couldn't believe it. But I, th I think I can now. I don't think in my lifetime that I've seen so much disagreement in the country. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I almost miss the arguments about Brexit. I'm getting angry about this stuff too. I can feel it. Not as angry as some people, but those guys in the park, if I'm honest, they pissed me off. I know friends who have lost loved ones, who haven't been able to attend funerals. 
I've not been perfect. I've made mistakes myself in relation to the rules, and I don't think this is easy on anyone, but people are dying. Surely now is the time, if there ever was a time, to listen to our scientists and just follow their advice. Even when playing D&D the other night, this stuff reared its head. Towards the end of the session, my mate Ed and I, we got into an argument. A stupid one. We, we may have even been arguing the same thing. But a part of me was still thinking about those guys with bongos. I snapped to Ed. And we shut down the session. Since then, we've said we'll reschedule, but it hasn't happened yet. So, no more D&D, I guess. Which means I'm just left listening to rap and writing tracks. I've been thinking a lot about what Luna said, about writing a banger. With a live show, the first thing you have to do is be like, come out with a fucking bang, because you have to come out with a bang, man. Like, you need a banger. At first, it sounded impossible. I wouldn't know where to start. I don't even know what the rules of a banger actually are. But right now, living in this world where the rules keep changing so much and where nobody can agree on them, when I can't even talk about them without losing my temper, well, it makes the idea of finding rules in rap, old rules, clear rules, that everyone follows, really appealing. I think I know who to interview about this too. An MC from London that Luna mentioned in our last chat, Maestro. Maestro's like OCD with the multi-syllable rhyme, so, so precise with it and so like on point with the multi-syllables that like, I feel like if you listen to him for long enough, it'll just click in your head eventually. Like, Maestro is an experienced and well-respected MC in the UK scene. He's a radio host, and he's released hundreds of tracks, both solo and as part of his band, Smokey Joe and the Kid. We first met nearly a decade ago. Back then, he was making his own wrap-up videos of major events in the year. Yeah, like, UK wrap-up thing, yeah? Black eyes, la, 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 it's the UK As a new age has entered, it's time that I remind you of what you ain't remembered. They said the last three years, I said it well, so here's the official UK wrap-up for 2012. Yeah, the year sure came in heavy, but nothing like Russell Brand's pockets when he divorced Katy Perry. Though we learned a bunch of things we didn't need to know, like Harvey and his fake claims are sleeping with Cheryl Cole. I thought they were cool vids. I liked how Maestro would present a fresh take on what was going on, sort of challenging our perceived narrative. He also released a track around then that I really like. It's called Around My Way. Hi, mother lovers, how you doing? My name's Maestro, AKA Mike Stevens. It's a lovely Sunday morning, and I feel like taking it to the streets. Just me, Mike, and a ghetto blaster. You heard the free hugs, right? Well, I'm gonna give away some free hip hop. I want the people to know what it's like around my way. So come with me. Listen. <laughs> 
Hey, yo, my rap tunes prove I get movement out of a statue. Nah, it's not true, it's matter of fact, fool. Even the cooler, the coolest crack in a capsule. But I take a few of the foolish back into rap school with every tight rhyme. Penning my lines, drinking very fine wine till it's ready by time. Take a step in my mind and run around my maze. And you'll find out what it's like when around my way. Around my way is upbeat and lively, and it presents both the grubbiness and the warmth of Maestro's neighbourhood. Back when I was an English teacher, I used to play this track to my students. I used it as a stimulus to get them writing about their own environments. I'd still highly recommend the track to any teachers listening to this. I've put a link to the vid in the episode description. Maestro's been performing for a long time now. We're talking thousands of gigs. Thousands of moments when he stepped out on stage and he's needed things to go with a bang. Plus, with such crisp multisyllabic rhyme schemes, I'm guessing he's a stickler for following rules in his rap. Except, I'm nervous. I've followed Maestro's Twitter feed for a long time now. He mostly talks about his music or artists featuring on his radio show, but he also questions a lot of stuff that's going on. At the moment, that means face masks, lockdowns, social distancing. He's questioning the science behind all of it. It's led to a fair bit of disagreement online, and I'm still feeling raw from my argument with Ed, and so I'm worried. I want to listen to what Maestro has to say, but what if the interview spirals off the rails? What if we open a can of worms that we just can't close? What if we get into an argument? We arrange a time for the interview, and when Maestro appears on the screen, he's in a studio down the road from his house, gives me a thumbs up. His mic needs sorting, but otherwise, he's ready to go. We start plugging in, checking levels, and as we do, I say that I'm feeling a bit raw, emotionally. Just to be on the safe side, in case we disagree about something and I have to tie things up early. Yeah, I can understand that, he says. I cried my eyes out the other day. Really? I say. Would you, up, would you be up for talking about it? Sure. So we check our levels one more time, hit record, and get into it. When did you do that? It was like doing a, a gig on Zoom, and I decided that I wanted to do like the songs that um, meant something for this time. Do you know what I mean? In terms of... Yeah. Um, you know, how I feel like what's what's going on. Like, I felt like, I feel like the government is messing with us. I feel like we've been told a lot of lies. I feel like, you know, we're not. And and then what, I also feel like a lot of people are either in denial of it or just don't wanna, they don't wanna face the fact that it's a possibility. And then what happened was I'm okay. um, performing. So I've quite a heartfelt, uh, it was a tune called Aquarius. But also this lady had her daughter on the screen as well. And so I'm going through all of this stuff, talking about how messed up, and this is a song that I wrote like over 10 years ago, but I'm talking about all the stuff that I, I believe is, you know, is going on and then thinking about how relevant it was now. And then looking at the girl thinking, wow, this is what you've got, a, this is what your life has kind of been resorted to is that you have to try and enjoy yourself on the computer on Zoom, you know, watching other, it just felt all wrong. And so, yeah, the emotions just, psh, and it's like, yo, people were like, oh, is he really? But when I cry, I sound like I'm laughing. So, <laughs> so it was fucking, it was a bit, you know what I mean? It was embarrassing, but at the same time, it felt like it needed to happen. And that's, you know, that's. But how far through the set were you? I was um, maybe like halfway or just over halfway. 
you know, and it was it's funny because my boy uh, producer I worked with was in the background, <laughs> and he he's ne I've known him for years, but he's never seen me in that sort of you know that um you know he's probably seen me emotional, but just not that sort of stripped down, and you know is like and he was like I couldn't work out if you were joking or not. And uh, I was like, nah, man, that shit hit me. I was like, when I saw the girl... Because just... you, you laugh so much. You sound like you laugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing is because I'm like... <laughs> so people were like, is he laughing or crying? I can't... You know, and then I was trying to go off screen because I didn't want to see all the boogers running down my nose. <laughs> yeah. When I think about it now, it's fucking crazy. But um, yeah, you know, that, it happens, man. And I think as well, um, people aren't used to seeing a rapper do that in terms of, you know, like, I'm not like I'm some thugged out rapper or whatnot, but a lot of what I do is just jokes and, you know, it's it's fun, isn't it? But it was just the, the accumulation of everything. It was like, yo, I'm not to say I'm not enjoy. I was enjoying listening to other poets and things like that, but I just wasn't enjoying that this is the new normal. Do you know what I mean? that That's the part that, you know, and then you're watching this yeah. like six, seven year old girl just staring at the screen and thinking like, what, this is, is this, that's, this is the future for her. Like, no, man, you know, it's wrong. There's a crazy, the, the, the new vocabulary we've got, I find really hard. There's all these kind of phrases and things that, right. I mean, I didn't even. Asymptomatic. I don't think I've ever used the word furlough yeah, in yeah. my life, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's also this weird thing with the ego where we don't want to um, be honest about whether we know something or not. We don't want to act like we don't understand something. And I think the smartest people in the world are the people that are like, I don't know, tell me more, you know? But I feel like it's been, the life has been inverted so much that even that, you know, is a bad thing. If you're like, oh, I don't know, it's a bad thing all of a sudden. But really that's a, that should be a good thing because you're admitting that you don't know. And then after the next step from that is tell me more, how do I learn or where do I get this info from? But there's not a lot of that that happens now. Those so, sort of things are the reasons why we're in this sort of place as well. So what is like what is what is your perspective on events? Like what do you think is uh Um so I would say to people that I don't really know whether it exists or not because I'm not um qualified enough to be able to isolate a virus and you know, I don't really understand the specifics, uh the mechanics of how it would work enough to sort of conduct it. But what I would say is there are definitely a lot of people dying. And I just feel like there's yeah. so much we can learn. And if people really, really take the time to learn about themselves, about how their bodies work, about the history behind um, a lot of the institutions that we put our faith in, then they, you kind of understand more about, oh, right, this is how we've got here. This is why we're here. And all it takes is for more people to learn this. And they can't, you know, the powers that be or powers that shouldn't be they could never get away with this. If you're in a position where you don't you don't believe everything you're being told, mm. is that like an isolating experience for you? Like, yeah. as in, like, if you got, how does it feel in relation to like friends, family? Because yeah, not everyone's gonna feel the same way as you about. Different nah, you're things. right about that. I, I feel lucky that my you know the family around me that's close, um, they get it. Like they you know they're not as um, what are you talking about as some of my friends, people that I've known for a long time, um, especially especially the really educated friends, I find it's harder for them to sort of get their head around. Um, you know, there's one thing of, are you qualified enough to talk about this? Then there's the thing of, oh, you know, what are you talking about? All these other, for all this time, 
this is what I've been, you know, this is what I believe, this is what I know, this is what I've been told, whether it, whichever three you want to choose, but for all this time, this is what life has been like. So who are you to come and tell me that it's different? Like, where do you get, what makes you think the information you're getting is, you know, way more valid than mm. what top scientists and qualified um, virologists are telling me? I think about what Maestro's saying about some of his friends, how he feels that they judge him. And I can understand that. I mean, I judge those who come out with stuff I don't agree with. It's difficult when so much of this is such a moral argument. I definitely judged those guys with their bongos. And I guess, in a way, I'm judging Maestro too. I can feel my eyes glazing over as he starts talking about things that I find conspiratorial. I, I can feel the interview at times slipping away. Eventually, in an attempt to pull it back, I ask him where all this comes from. And what Maestro says next completely throws me. First, so firstly, I'm vaccine injured. So I've got um, like a scar on my neck uh, from having a tracheostomy. Okay. Um, and the reason I had it was because um, you know, I, a TB flared up in a gland in my neck. And this was when I was like uh, age 17, 18. And because TB is a respiratory illness, as they say, the only way you can catch it is through the air, yeah? And the only places it should show up are in your lungs, you know, in your throat. Um, the way that they caught, they found mine was because it was like this lump was just growing in my gland um, to the point where, you know, my voice was just like this. I'll be talking, you're like, what's up with his voice? Because everyone's used to the deep voice. But it, my voice would be like this. And only if I turned to the opposite direction of where the lump was is where my voice would be normal. So at the age of 17, 18, when the doctor's saying, ah, oh, you know, this lump isn't cancerous, take some of these and it should be gone in a few weeks. For, a, you know, a teenager, what's a few weeks? It might be a month, it might be two months. So I go back again, I'm like, doc, this lump hasn't gone. Actually, it feels like it's getting bigger. And what's happening now is also I'm sweating. He's like, here, take these. You know, it should be gone in a few months. The same thing. Unfortunately, things didn't get better as the doctor said it would. Instead, Maestro went through weeks, months of being misdiagnosed and given medication that didn't work until. What happened next was quite, you know, significant. Luckily for me, my auntie's um, a nurse. My mum was like, yeah, get her around. She had a look and she said, because my mum by now is like, right, you're snoring, you're awake, but it sounds like you're snoring. Um, you know, the sheets are all, you're sweating every night. We need to find out what's going on. Auntie said, okay, let's take him to ear, nose and throat because they, they can put a camera down his nose and have a look at what's going on. So we went to the hospital and then straight away, they did that, you know, and then they said, look, we got to admit him in. Why? Because his windpipe is closing. If, you know, it could just take a few days or whatever and he might um, die in his sleep or something like that. Whoa. I wasn't fully expecting that. So then next minute I woke up with a tracheostomy, can't talk, have to write down stuff for people to understand what you're saying. You couldn't talk? No, because the tracheostomy is basically opening a hole in your throat so that you can breathe oh, better. Of course, yeah. Yeah. 
And so you, you know, so I was in hospital then for two weeks. The first week, losing weight every day, not being able to eat, puking up. When you've got a tracheostomy, you've got an open wound. So it's like they have this kind of plastic um, bit that, that's kind of coming out of your neck to help you breathe. But because it's an open wound, um, your lungs start filling up with mucus to try and protect um, your, your, you know, your lung area, your brachial area. And so because of that, you're going to start, you'll get like these coughing fits come up. And so imagine that's going on. You're feeling this thing tickling your lungs and then you're puking up at the same time. Like, bruv, oh, it was madness. It was madness. But I know it was very, it was quite a unique thing because um, they, you know, at that time, TB was like, oh, it will take you two to three years to get rid of it. Had you already started rapping before this happened then? Nah, nah, but this is what made me, because basically I nearly died. And I had like, like I said, I had two weeks in the hospital to really have this like, um, you know, this moment of clarity of like, what are you doing with your life? Or what do you want to do with your life? Um, mm -hmm. I'd been, you know, messing around with rap from the age of sort of 11 and, but never took it seriously. I'd been taken to studios, I've been in groups, I've had a manager for the group, but never seen any seriousness out of it for me to even think it could be a career. But going through this thing, the first week, like I say, losing weight every day and not eating. And then the second week where, because they found out by then that, yeah, this is TB. Cause they didn't, they still wasn't sure, but they've done all these tests now. And then they said, yeah, this is TB. We're gonna put you in your own room, you know, into solitary. But lucky mm. for me that that happened because I, it's like I got to grow up within that week, I became an adult because I started to, you know, I saw friends come and visit me. They're all um, fainting and that, or, you know, girls coming crying, saying, they said you were gonna die, they said you, I was like, what? They never told me that I was nearly died, but now that I've learned that, and I remember I was watching um, a Muhammad Ali um, documentary, and it was something to do with, you know, living your dream or something like that, living, you know, doing what, and so for me, it was like, okay, if I get through this, I'm going to really go for this rap thing. I'm going to try my hardest. And so when I got into it, that's why I was so different from a lot of people because I was doing it out of like, yo, I nearly died. I'm happy to be alive. And let me just make the music that I, I think should be made. You know what I mean? And yeah, so that's why I think my whole vibe is a lot different from a lot of other people as well is because I wasn't trying to be a rap star. I just wanted to be able to rap and then, you know, and make something of it. So the first week was them testing out, trying to work out what is it, we're not sure. And then them saying, okay, what we're gonna do is give, you have to take these tablets, there's like 14 different tablets. And by the way, you could turn out um, colorblind, but you know, because of this, we have to, you know, you just got to take them. And then, so doing that and you know, imagine <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, you're just scared. Cause I didn't really understand what colorblind meant. I thought I'd wake, open my eyes and everything would be black and white. <laughs> I mean, that is, if this was like a Marvel film, that's quite an intense origin, origin story. story. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, 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 that's a good uh, point. How you going to rap. And for you, like your your journey into rap, is it safe to say that like, you were ha having figures of authority um, misdiagnosing yes, or not exactly, knowing what they were talking about? Exactly, right? so you're, that's what I know you're a teacher, man, because you're a smart guy and that's exactly it. The amount of people I've told that story and they never really think about it like that, like, oh, so you're listening to these white coats and, and every single one of them are messing it up. So you got to remember, Mark, all these things, these are little seeds that have been planted in my head. And even though I don't really understand 
I know there's something wrong, but I don't know what it is. When I get to these moments where they're like, oh, everyone's got to take vaccine and everyone, then I'm like, hmm, okay, you know, I I can't trust it as much as everyone else just because that shit nearly killed me, bruv. And you want me to go and do it again on somewhere where you blatantly admitted that this has been rushed. Okay, I'm just going to jump in here to say fair enough. I can't imagine what that whole ordeal must have been like. But I can definitely understand that after all of that, Maestro is going to be suspicious of any official guidance that relates to his body. Do you think you're someone who tends to follow the rules in life <laughs> or, or are you more inclined to question them? Yeah, I'm def- I'm Aquarius, man. So I'm definitely questioning everything. And so for me, I grew up in Roman Catholic school. You know, my f- first infant school, nursery, infant school, um, primary, and then a little bit of secondary school was all based around the Roman Catholic system, which is very, you know, it's very like straight kind of yeah. this, that, and the third. You, but you pray before, I mean, I've gone to some Roman Catholic schools and often there's like a prayer before lessons, individual lessons. Yeah, yeah, prayer before lessons, you know, before, um, you know, you had mass in the morning. You had all these things, you know, and you're, you're singing in Latin, but then as you grow up, you're told Latin is a dead language which is, you know, that's confusing already for people that really think about it. So basically, yeah, in terms of breaking the rules, I was definitely a rule breaker as well as a, a you know, a questioner. I'd, I'd get in trouble for asking certain things in, you know, religious class or, or whatever. What kind, of, what kind of artists did you grow up listening to? Well, I grew up listening to a mixture. So, uh, you know, just to give you a broad, is like from NWA all the way to De La Soul. You get what I mean? That's like two opposite ends of the spectrum of hip hop at that time. Greetings, girl, and welcome to my world of phrasing right up to back. It's the daisy age, you're about to walk top stage, so wipe your lottoes on the mat. Um, my favorite album, America, or is America's Most Wanted by Ice Cube. Little boys and girls, they all love me. Come sit on the lap of ICE and let me tell you a story or two about a punk ass nigga I knew named Jack. And so it was, it just for me, it encompassed a whole lot of uh, things that I could relate to. Um, and then, as well as that, it was creative because he had things like Gangster's Fairy Tale, which was like using all these um, sort of fairy tale story characters in the streets. He was the same thing. He's questioning the government, questioning why we're treated this way. Um, and, then, you know, and then me being from London, it's like, wow, that's a global thing. I was too young at the time to even fully understand everything. This is after he left um, NWA and he went to New York and worked with the Bomb Squad. Um, so that's like the Bomb Squad is under, under public enemy. Bang! What you looking for the same thing? It's a new thing. Check out this. I bring a old aroma low level because I'm living low next to the base. Come on. Turn up the radio. Don't believe the hype. Don't, don't, don't believe the hype. And so, you know, then you get the gist. Imagine a guy, an album which is like a mixture of Public Enemy and NWA. So you're getting like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, on one side, you're getting all these, um, all this social commentary and, and, so, yeah, sorry, like the political side of things in terms of what it's like to be black living in America, living in the um, projects and whatnot. But then you also get in the grimy, the street side of it, uh, of, you know, you could get robbed around here quite easily. 
So the first song I'd ever been on was, you know, I was in this group and I was the youngest one. So they called me Baby K. Uh, my first name's Kevin. So it's like BK or uh, yeah. And I chose the name Ragamuffin BK. <laughs> <laughs> Ragamuffin BK, boy. Yeah. And, um, so I was the youngest in the group. And um, yeah, it was quite wild, man. But then I, I kind of left it for a bit and I just got into the street stuff, just doing really stupid, you know, stupid stuff. But then um, after I got ill, I kind of realized, like I'd even done Jungle, Jungle MCing for quite a bit. And, and that actually kind of gave me, I'd already had a head start once I got into the hip hop thing of mic control, of being able to talk to people, you know, talk to a crowd, as well as like my voice was already quite polished in a sense. Breath control as well. Yeah, breath control, big time, man. It's funny talking about the rules thing is that I think it, I kind of learned naturally without even realizing, but for me, you know, the whole sort of rhyming in terms of syllables and whatnot, it just sounded cool. Like, and it was things like hearing Big Pun, hearing Rakim, you know, Big L, they were just MCs that I was hearing like, yo, they are like, why does it sound so cool? And you're like, oh, it's because he's rhyming all these words. I'm not even thinking about it like, oh, he's rhyming the syllables. But it was just enough for me to kind of like, yo, I want to do it like that because it sounds so cool. And then lo and behold, you know, it was not till years later, well, one of my first tours in Australia, but around 04, 05-ish was when I'd bumped into a guy called Anecdote, who was a battle rapper from, uh, from Sydney. And he, we were walking from one gig to the next one that I had. And then he was like, oh, so you see when you do the ABB rhyming, blah 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 and I was like what <laughs> what are you talking about he's like you know the ABB rhyming where you rhyme like da 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 and then in between you rhyme the two you know the, and I was like oh yeah 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 and I you know so I didn't know that it was actually called something like hearing that made me realize like oh right there, you know there's these there are techniques and there are um, styles to to rapping that other people have studied to the point and they understand you know from poetry or um, learning literature that this is a style of rhyming and I, I was clueless to it but once I learned like once I heard about that then it just turned me on this other path and I, f I feel like from 05, 06, 07-ish was when I really started looking at the, the rhyme form you know the idea of rhyming for me it was just I always just made up like the first four bars or something. Everyone I've spoken to it's so funny because they all Tony, like Luna, um, Dyke was saying the same thing um, they've all all reference you as being kind of like what's funny is they kind of reference you as being like really serious about the multisyllabic, like getting the rhymes exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like you're not actually that bothered, really. You're not like kind of following a rule. You just kind of well, I guess you are. Um, yeah, but... I think it is following a rule, but I think it was just at the time I didn't realize these were rules. You know, I just yeah, you know, yeah. I just heard enough rappers that I really liked and then realized why I really like them. Like, oh, they're doing this thing that it just sounds cool when, you know, oh, I'm trying to think of someone's rhyme now, but not every rapper that I listened, like Ice Cube wasn't like that. Or, you know, De La Soul weren't necessarily about oh, motives, all the multis, multis, multis. It was just something that I was really drawn to because the rappers that I really liked were doing that. Yeah. But I also appreciated that they were saying something throughout every line. It wasn't like, you know, I got caught in that trap of just, you're just trying to rhyme loads of words. But it, like, when you go back and go, what are you saying though? 
You know, like there's that. Everyone yeah. kind of comes out with, yo, uh, when I spit rhymes, they blah, 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 and they da, 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 and I, you know, I'm the best at blah, 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 blah. So you're, you're rapping about rapping, or you're rapping about how good your rhymes are, but where are those rhymes that are that good? Where are the rhymes where you actually do that? To me? That's what I started to look at myself and think like, when you're saying all of this, well, you have to now and go, when people go, okay, someone was going to question you about, oh, you, so you said that your, your rhymes make people feel uplifted, like they're on a forklift or whatever, you know, a fork truck. Which rhymes are, are the ones that do that? <laughs> so I was like, yo, I better start writing those rhymes. You didn't want to make claims without the evidence to back it up. I yeah, yeah, yeah. You see it there? That's, that's it. I've got my own peer-reviewed evidence. My peers are <laughs> the Dirty Dykes and, you know, Tony D. And, do you know what I mean? To say like, yeah, nah, he does that. He does that. Are there any rules that you follow when you write? Any rules that I follow when I write? I think in terms of rules when i you know when i first got into it i used to just write without the beat um but then the more and more i started to you know do working features for people and whatnot it was more about writing to the beat and i feel like because of that i, I you know it's almost like the beat is giving me the um the template you know what i mean and i'm filling in mm. i'm filling in all the gaps i'm putting the pieces to the puzzle by you know whatever rhymes sort of come off the back of that beat um, I don't like to do it all the time, but I find that I, I, I do that majority of the time. But in terms of like um, rules, uh, the one thing that kind of um, came about, you know, once I was uh, like five, six years into it was not, um, you know, not limiting where my inspiration is drawn from. So people would ask like, what, who inspires you or what inspires you? And I'd say everything because then I'm not limited to that, you know, that pigeonhole everyone wants to put you in and say, oh yeah, he raps about that or he raps about this. I can go anywhere and rap about anything. Do you know what I mean? Give me a yo-yo and I'll make it sound like it's enjoying itself going up and down or, do you know what I mean? All these different things that um, I felt like were missing because a lot of the rappers that, you know, I, I'd seen in the, like, especially in the UK, I felt like a lot of rappers were just rapping about not getting any love. They were complaining in their raps yeah. about not, and I was like, well, you know, if all you're sounding like is you're moaning, like why, who's gonna wanna give you love? I came from the the side of, yo, I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm still alive, I wanna entertain you. Like I, I wanna show you how happy I am that I'm alive and you should be happy as well. Do you know what I mean? So I, I was coming from a different place and then it was just a, a case of playing around with what, what can you rap about? Like what, what, what do people want to hear or or what could be funny? Or I think the main rule was not having any rules, but just always making sure that it sounded cool. And cool to me was what we'd say was tight. Um, whether it be the breath control, the voice, um, the phrasing, you know, just making sure all of that. It's like once you study, like what what is it that makes a rapper sound good? Okay, I want, I'm going to sound like that, but it's just going to sound like me. I'm not going to use no American accent because I'm more than likely going to sound like someone or at least a billion other people. I'm going to okay. use my voice because I'm the only one with this voice. And then I'm going to develop my style of rapping and then what what feels natural to me. And once I started yeah, yeah. noticing that people were like, yo, this guy's sick, this guy's sick, then I trust in the fact that I know what I'm doing. There are kind of some rules out there. Like, like do you use a rhyming dictionary or, or would you use a rhyming dictionary? Nah, man, like, you got to remember, hip-hop came from the idea of being authentic, about being you. 
This is your art. This is your art form. Um, the most you'd get is so say like whether it be graphing, um, someone's older brother or your you know someone mm. older than you is gonna teach you the way in terms of how they do it, but they're gonna say do what you do though. Now it's up to you to teach yourself, and so it's a similar thing. Someone teaches mm. you how to rap, but then they don't go here. Here's a book that taught me how to rhyme, how to use all these because you have to draw from your own inspiration. Because as you go on, you're learning more, you're understanding more, you're making more sense of, of why this is something you love and why it works for you. But then, you know, if you go, yeah, I want to be a rapper. How do I rap? Here, here's a book that teaches you how to rap. It's not, it's not the same thing as being a mechanic. And do you know what I mean? It's like you're, now you're making art. You're making something that should be, it should have your stamp on it. It's, but imagine if the next 20 rappers that blow up all are using the same rhyming book. Like, mm. how different are they going to be, really? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Like, when do you get the, you know, the Kendrick guy or the... And the other thing as well is, as much as I'm like, you know, I think it's just a habit now where I can't help but make things rhyme in that way. I, I think it's really, it's a thin line between doing that and also sounding too mechanical. It's sounding too much like that's what you're going to do, where people can even predict your, your flow or what you're going to say sort of thing. And so I don't think you have to necessarily every single syllable rhymes or you shouldn't be, you know, you got people that are like, oh, if you're still just rhyming one syllable words, then, you know, you're, you're back. And I'm like, no, Jay-Z does that. Like, look how many people praise Jay-Z. Like he's the, the God MC or whatever. I think as long as it sounds cool, you know, you could, you could get away with it. I don't think everything has to be uh, multisyllabic rhyming and, this, that, and the third. And, and I also think it's a bit more detrimental when everyone starts to do it and you can go, oh yeah, that you're a, you're a Chester P fan or you're a, you know what I mean? You're mm. a Jest fan or you're a, oh, you're a Buster Rhymes fan. Oh, you're a Jay-Z fan. You know, it, it's, it, and I think we've kind of got to that place now where a lot of artists have come out and done pretty well because they sounded like, you know, you had Shine sounded like Biggie. You know, all things yeah. like that. I was like, wow, this is getting weird because when I was coming up, that would be blasphemous. Like me sounding like anyone else, people are going to be like, yo, what are you doing? I, I think I know the answer to this immediately, but would you <laughs> ever, ever let someone else write your bars for you? What, like the whole, like, the whole you know, lyric. like Drake, Drake, I think even Stormzy has got like people, like artists now having teams of writers, right? Like, yeah. The thing is, singers have done that for years. You know, singers have, have had um, writers writing for them for years. Hip hop has come from something where it's like, yo, I'm real, this is real, this is my art, you know, I'm authentic. Yo, you can't test my skills. You're, you're not better than me at doing what I do. And then when, it, when someone said all of that and then they go, oh yeah, okay, so I'm gonna do this rap that so-and-so wrote for me. That's like, what, <laughs> what? You can't go, you know, so that's, I think the, the problem with hip hop in that sense is that we've, we're so used to, it's like, yeah, yeah, hip hop is real, man, this is what, you know, uh, the authenticity side of it, but then then you're forgetting that it's also a business. It's also... I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It's popular, like rap is popular and popular, there's money yeah. there. Exactly, man. And if it's popular, that's going to happen. For me, I don't need people to write my raps. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. If, yeah. if it's like I'm putting out my music as my Diggy, Maestro, whatever, if I'm putting out my music, which is my art that I've made that you should appreciate because it's all come from me, then nah. I'm not going to use someone else to write it because I'd be lying to you lot then. Maestro doesn't want to lie.
and I feel that from listening to him. I disagree with him on a bunch of stuff in relation to the pandemic, but I don't feel he's being disingenuous or that he has anything other than the best intentions for me and for others right now. I can understand how he got to the point that he's at. He doesn't trust authority. And rap, as an art form, never has. But he does follow rules or codes of behaviour without question. Some of these rules feel more like unspoken secrets, ancient codes or artefacts you have to dig up to examine. Codes that rap no longer lives by. Or at least that today's biggest stars couldn't agree on any more than our COVID guidelines. This is all a lot more complicated than I'd expected. What is it that makes a banger? Because if that I can, if I knew the rules for that, I if I knew like everyone would do, everyone would make bangers all the time, I wouldn't think, they? You know, I, I think what people call a banger, like what if, generally speaking, if you're going to say a banger, it's a big chorus, you know, a big catchy chorus. It's a big beat yeah. as well. It's usually a big beat. It's not like a mellow beat, you know, it's not a um, uh, introspective beat. So, you know, at the same time, you can have a introspective banger. Could you think of yeah. an example of a um, banger, like something, something, a track that you know by anyone that you think you would class as being an absolute banger? I mean, you, you know, anti up. Attention, please, attention, please. This shit here feels like the whole entire world collapse. Like when I, yeah, yeah. when you said to me, when you're asking me to define a banger, that's what I'm thinking of. Is like add e up. You know, I host. I used to host a lot of uh, gigs as well with DJs. Just you know, I'm on the mic, just chatting shit, make, getting the crowd going or whatever. And I remember add e up just used to kill it everywhere. Oh, oh, like people just going crazy, man. And it's a big beat, uh, a massive chorus. You know, it just sounds like Godzilla's <laughs> on his way. It's a town, man. The track is crazy. So something like that. I'd like to hear Mark Gris come up with. A, I need a big yeah, beat, though. That's the work, thing, man. right? Because for you, for you, normally it starts with a beat first, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, once you hear the beat, then you kind of know. So you, I think once you get a banger, you'll know like, oh, this sounds like it could be big. Like, you know, it's something you just imagine yourself on on the stage. You know what I mean? You can't even keep your hands down. You're you're spitting your arms up in the air. The whole crowd's up. Arms up in the air as well. It's just mayhem. It's one of them sort of things. That's the thing. I don't. I. I feel embarrassed at the thought that I could do it. I think you can do it. I think you could do it, and I think that it would be crazy because people, you know, people wouldn't expect it from you. If if you got a track that you've written that you feel for you is like uh, a track you like mm. performing the most that you feel bangs. Sometimes I use a track called. Um, Run Boy Run, I did it with a group called Yes King, which is uh, Mark Ray and Reese Adams. And it's kind of like a, a, a reggae hip hop track. It's quite, it's quite banging, it's very big. Uh, it's quite epic as well. And it's got a kind of, you know, um, intro to it, a sort of James Bondy vibe to it. So I always walk out and say, yeah, I'm gonna be the new Black Bond. 
What are you lot saying about this walk? Imagine me, you know, in my speedos on the beach and then do the walk and they think, yeah. When the planets and the stars and the moons collapse Will that reveal all the madness running through the map? Is that the time when we'll realise the truth is that We've been set up like a booby trap As the goings on take it back to gospel times And reality TV's got us locked inside Will the whole world seem like it's lost its mind Under Big Brother's unseen watchful light um, so something like that. So it's just the way the crowd go crazy and all that. They're not even really listening to you rap. They're just going mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's when you know you've got a banger. What are bangers normally um, about? It's an interesting question because, okay, Andy Yap is about jacking people. You know, but then you've got something like They Reminisce. That's a banger. You know, people go crazy to that. And that's just about remembering someone who's passed away. Yeah. You know, they so... Yeah. You get what I mean? There so many different topics, but a lot of people in general, it'll be like, yeah, banger, and they'll just be punchlines. It'll be like bars, you know what I mean? With a big chorus, that sort of thing. But you, like I said, you can mix it up. A banger doesn't necessarily have to just be, oh, me spitting and going wild and, you know, bust the rhymes kind of vibe. But you, you can still do it and, and have a topic with it as well that's introspective or... yeah. You know, I think the the core of a song is the chorus, but that's the part that people always remember the beat and the chorus. So you can, as long as the chorus is like something quite big in terms of even getting them to sing it back to you can help make it something that's very memorable. So it doesn't necessarily have to be jumping around doing somersaults yeah, yeah, yeah. and shit like that. Okay. <laughs> I can see you thinking about doing somersaults, though. Don't think about it. <laughs> you got to practice first, man. <laughs> I guess rules will always be contentious in rap. They are in life, after all, and, and rap is an art form that reflects and amplifies the realities of our lives. It won't look, thank you so much for the help um, with that. I'm going to go away. I'm going to try and write a banger. Um, <laughs> Wicked! What's the banger going to be know. about? I don't know. I don't I, know. I, <laughs> I was glad. I'm glad you said that, though, man. There's a, a wider horizon with the banger. Like, you, you know, you, there's a lot more to choose from. Just got to be a big beat, big chorus. But also, you said you can write about anything. That's the that's the that's the number one rule. It can be about anything. Um, I gave you the cheat code. I gave you the cheat code for a bang. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. <laughs> I came to Maestro looking for some simple rules to follow, but it turns out that rules are never really that simple. Sometimes we don't even know we're following a rule until someone else points it out, like Maestro with his rhyming. He just did something that sounded cool. He didn't know this approach would help others see a rule that he didn't even know was there. Rules are complicated. Rules change. And within the world of rap, even a rule that once seemed unbreakable, like ghostwriting for other rappers has been broken by many MCs. Rifts have emerged over what is and what isn't rap anymore. So it seems like there isn't one set of rules to follow. What we can do, I suppose, is each take responsibility for our own set of rules. Do right by them. Part of that responsibility is about acknowledging others and not breaking communication with those who play by a different set of rules. 
That's something that feels not only true within rap, but in life in general. We're all experiencing trauma, and we're gonna have to live with each other afterwards. Being angry all the time isn't gonna help anyone. I feel very fortunate that I got to chat to Maestro, that he was willing to share his story with me. I can respect that his journey to where he's at has been difficult. And I like him. And I think he's a good guy. The following day, after my chat with Maestro, I messaged Ed and apologised for snapping at him. He apologised too. And we sorted out another date to play d and I'm really pleased that we did. Maestro gave me some great advice on how to make a banger. You let the energy of the music influence everything else. So the first thing I'm going to need is a beat. A big beat. If I can get the beat right, the chorus and everything else should follow. This gets me thinking about my old friend, Blizzard. The guy I had that rap battle with nearly 10 years ago. The one I spoke about in episode three of this series. The one that went viral, sort of crazy viral. You wank off in sandals to pictures of Gandalf, you stack with a mags. Yeah, that one. It's been a surreal decade for me since that took place. But aside from some brief chats, I haven't heard what it's been like for Blizzard. But I know that he makes beats now. He prefers that to rapping, I think. I do need a beat that can transform me into a crowd-rocking MC, and that means creating a beat that can big up my strengths and hide my weaknesses. Blizzard probably knows those strengths and weaknesses better than anyone. So that's what I'll do. I'll check in on Blizzard. Next time on Mark Can't Rap. I get trolled so hard all the time without fail. People will tweet me and say, you're a fat and I hope you die. You love rap. To remember that and try and have a bit more fun with it. And have a bit more fun for you as well. That's a sick idea. That's actually an amazing idea. It's like, guess who? It's like, guess who? Yeah. This podcast was written by me, Mark Grist. It featured an interview with My Sticky also known as Maestro. Script editing from Ross Sutherland and audio editing from Juxta. This podcast was made possible thanks to public funding from Arts Council England. Thanks for listening. And Merry Christmas.